Well. All right. Uh, I'm Bobby Navia. And I am Dorian Weinzimmer. Welcome back, everybody, to the couch. Um, yeah. We're, uh, we're here, Dorian. We're finally here. Yeah, we are. We're really here. We're at, <laughs> we're at, uh, we're at the, uh, the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. On, our, on our epic Batman revisitation journey. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's been a weird journey, huh? It has been a weird journey. It's been fraught with surprises. Well, it's kind of kind of one-sided on the surprises. The surprises have really only come <laughs> from one of the directors. But, <laughs> but that's also just due to a, you know, uh, on my part at least, a, a lack of familiarity. Uh, yeah, yeah. Current familiarity, I should say. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so anyway, um, for anybody who uh, hasn't tuned in recently or, uh, you know, hasn't just looked at the titles of the past four episodes we've done and put it together uh we've been going through <laughs> uh tim burton and uh christopher nolan's batman films uh yes. so you know kind of uh, juxtaposing them against each other and uh so we we started with tim burton's batman um or as i like to call it timmy b's b-man um, <laughs> what that is the first i've heard of this <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> Well, it's the first time I've said it, so... Timmy B's B-Man. Timmy B's B-Man. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we watched that, then we watched Batman Begins, then we watched Batman Returns, uh, or as I like to call it, Timmy B's B-Man Returns. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then now we just watched uh, The Dark Knight. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so now we're, we're going to discuss Dark Knight and compare and contrast it with Batman Returns a little bit. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so anyway. And all of, this, all of this started because we did... All of this started because uh, DC had a DC fandom. They had a virtual, like, uh, Comic-Con, if you will. And the last segment was Matt Reeves talking about them shooting the Batman, the Robert Pattinson uh, Batman. And he had a... Uh, almost two and a half minute trailer to uh, to show, and Dorian and I talked about that. And uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, you should, uh, yeah, because it is it is the inception of our of our current <laughs> journey. Um, but yeah, no, it's been pretty fun to uh, to revisit these movies and uh, talk about them because uh, I find my I find myself realizing that I haven't really I've watched these movies, but I feel like I haven't watched them in a while. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, also I think uh, the current climate just gives a different sort of feel to anything you watch so yeah. <laughs> well dude this uh dark so dark knight in particular because I, I just want to point out like I, I remembered this while i was watching the movie mm-hmm. um but so the climax of the movie uh or uh, i guess the yeah it would be climax it's more denouement after that um but when uh when batman goes after joker in that um you know half constructed building uh skyscraper yes that's trump tower Oh my God! Yes, I had that same feel. I had that same moment of realization, it's, dude. It's really weird to be. It is. <laughs> I mean, it, like you know, Joker is a far more worthy villain than Donald Trump will ever be. Uh, but <laughs> the parallels there there are still some some parallels you could you could draw there though. I mean, they both paint. <laughs> They both paint their face a particular color before coming out to the public That's in an true. effort to, you know, I strike fear. Yeah, and I seriously doubt the Joker has ever paid taxes. He's never paid taxes. Definitely has not. Yeah. So. No, no. 
another thing yeah. they got in common. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they've both, you know, uh, choked multiple cities into some sort of uh, panic. Yeah, no, that's true. They both really don't like Chicago. They don't. No, yeah. they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they think that, you know, Chicago should be under some sort of military or anarchistic rule, you know, mm-hmm. one or the other. Yeah. Uh, really the same thing, yeah. That's no, pretty uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure this comparison will run through our discussion. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, that really, really cracked me up. Like, as soon as I saw that, you know, that scene started up and I was like, think, I started thinking about it. I was like, holy shit, if I remember right. And then I, I looked yeah. it up after the movie. I was like, yep, that is. That's it's fucking true. insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to start this conversation with talking about the opening. Like I've like I've said in uh, the last pos- last podcast we had about Batman Begins, that I was like a big fan of like the dialogue that Nolan has, like in the trailers. Uh, you know, certain lines that that characters say and stuff like that. Uh, I feel like this is another staple of like just Chris Nolan as a filmmaker. Are the openings to his movies, which usually mm-hmm. end up, you know, starting to get released like in IMAX as prologues, you know, like as a, as a, as a scene to watch for, for people to, to see. And I saw this, I saw this in IMAX theaters as, as a prologue, um, uh, before it came out and stuff. And, uh, I also just feel like it, like he, you know, he cemented this like with Batman, like with the character of bat with his Batman movies to do these, to do these openings, uh, there I, I wrote down they're kind of like James Bond ish yeah, openings. Exactly, you know? that's exactly what I equated them to as well. It's okay, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and like they they like relate to the you know to the main plot of the movie you know in a particular way, and then it just kind of you know grows from there or whatever. But uh, but yeah, I wanted to talk about like the opening scene and also like IMAX because I feel like the reason why IMAX is such a big powerhouse that it is or that it has been not now uh, because of like COVID and everything is because of like Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Like, and it is because of these movies, you know, like Christopher Nolan, these movies um, did, did Avatar come Avatar came out in what? 2000 after a year after this or uh, what? 2009. Yeah. I think it was a year this, after this. Yeah. Year after this. So I don't, I don't even, I wouldn't even credit like Avatar as being like the reason we go to IMAX. I think the reason why anybody goes to see, Movies in IMAX, even if they're putting Parasite or La La Land, you know, in 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 an IMAX theater, which they did both, is because of Chris Nolan, mm-hmm. and and these movies and like the presentation of like you know it being like really really big and stuff, but um, but yeah no so that's kind of where I wanted to like start the conversation. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you. This is definitely, you know, Christopher Nolan is definitely who made IMAX like a, excuse me, a worthwhile proposition to me. Um, okay. Because, yeah, because he really, you know, he was really like, seemed like the one of the first filmmakers to like really use the format, you know? Yeah. And like make the movie, you know, he A, he's just, he has the type of vision and abilities as a director to make a movie that's like as big as that screen. You know, like his yeah, movies, right. his movies are always just feel enormous, you know, and there's just this like totality of vision for the entire thing that that just makes it so full and huge. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that kind of spectacle filmmaking that he's just like completely mastered and managed to do in like, you know, the most intelligent way that 
I think any filmmaker has managed to yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's really wild. Um, but see, yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's such a, my point is, is that there's such like a, a largeness to not just, you know, the movie itself and what you're seeing on screen, but like the ideas that he's putting forth and the characters that inhabit in his movies and just like the mind of the creator that you're being welcomed into. It feels that big, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and it just like, you know, I think a lot of other, uh, people had used IMAX, IMAX solely for the superficial level of that, for like, let's just put the biggest, most spectacle-drawn things that we can up there. But they didn't have like the ideas or the vision to really match it. It was just like, let's just dump a bunch of money into these big explosions or big stunts and things like that. Right. Um, you know, just put it on this giant screen. So, you know, he was the first one to combine that with like a more, you know, intelligent sort of like a deeper level of understanding about how to use the size of that and the sort of like, the spectacle of the screen itself, you know, like adds, it has an effect on the audience or it can, you know, he's mm -hmm. like the only, I, I think, director that understood what effect it could have that it still wasn't having yet on the audience, you know? Yeah. Um, and then once, you know, you combine him with that and he, you know, in that opening scene, again, was just like, that was really mind blowing seeing that in IMAX. Um, yeah. You know, it was, it was before, because like, uh, you know, I had seen other movies in IMAX, like, because, you know, we have the Navy Pier one. A lot of, I, right. let's face it too, a lot of the IMAX screens, like out in the suburbs and stuff like that, kind of shit also. They're just like, it's like not worth the extra money. It's they're not like a they're not like an actual IMAX screen. Like, you know, yeah. thankfully here, thankfully here in Chicago, the one at Navy Pier is an actual yeah, it's an IMAX it's screen. Fucking huge. It's intimidating yeah. when you walk in and see the size of the room. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, you know, it, you get that feel. You're like, okay, this is what I paid for, you know? But anyway, yeah. So, you know, in, in like the suburbs and so, like when I was growing up, like we, you know, there was a theater that had near us that had an IMAX screen, but we like never went to it because it was not, mm -hmm. it was not that great, you know? Yeah, right. Um, but there's an upcharge for it still because it's fucking IMAX and all this type of shit. So, you know, it's it a couple just, inches bigger than, you know, yeah. the regular theater you would go see it at. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, but then, you know, living in the city and especially like when we were at Flashpoint, we were, you know, going downtown for, you know, class anyway. It was like if we were going to go see a movie and it was playing in IMAX, it wasn't really that big of a deal to hop over to Navy Pier from there. You know, right, right. and you could go. And again, it had actually a giant fucking screen and stuff. So it was like kind of cool. But again, it was yeah. like, if I have to go see this big spectacle action movie on like a regular theater screen too, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but man, after seeing Dark Knight uh, in IMAX, every single Nolan movie after that that came out, I was like, I, I'm going to the IMAX for this. You know? Right, yeah. It, uh, every exactly. one. Uh, unless, well, except like, because uh, like Dunkirk they showed in 70 millimeter at, right. uh, at Music Box. So I went, I went there. You know, they were doing a mm -hmm. digital IMAX projection of that at Navy Pier. So I was like, nah, I... I'm preferring the film, you know, to yes. the, the scope of the experience and uh, everything. So, uh, so yeah, he's the one who really made me see like, okay, there's, there can be more to this, you know? And, um, but yeah, it's, it's like that opening scene almost seems like it was devised entirely to completely like take advantage of and sell you on that medium. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it worked like it, it really, it really, really works. <laughs> It takes your breath away. Just that opening like helicopter shot of it pushing into that building. Like, mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. Like, I mean, again, he you know, um, we mentioned it later on in the Batman Begins pod. But, um, you know, the the the, uh, the beginning of Batman Begins is, you know, the bats, the bats flying. And then they kind of make the logo of yeah. of, of of his Batman. And 
Uh, he carries that over here with, uh, you know, the blue tinted flame that's happening that as yeah. it, once it gets closer to the screen, you know, it's it's the Batman logo again. And um, I don't know, like I just really paid attention to that more, you know, this time around just, you know, and I, I'm I'm anxious now to watch number three because I yeah. remember what number three is. I, I know what it is. It's ice. But like also just really uh, I paid attention more to how it's related to like the story of like what's going on. You know, like it's fire and it's it's like an explosion that's happening. And then, um, you know, it, it it smash cuts nicely into that that opening scene that like it, yeah. that opening scene still takes my breath away. I'm just sort of like, yeah. <gasps> I still take a breath and I'm just like until that window blasts open and it's just like, oh, OK, here we go. You it know, is. We're it's, in. I mean, it's 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 so cool because it's like it's I mean, you're like just suspended in air between these buildings like you don't know where you are. exactly, And it's like this is kind of impossible shot, too, you know, because it's yeah. one of those like you couldn't fly a helicopter that low or like between buildings like that. And right, you know, right. this is 2008. They weren't really like flying drones and shit like that. You know, there's um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it's just so amazing. Like and it works on so many levels, like on you just like subconsciously and very consciously you know, yeah. what it's, what it's doing in that moment. And again, like for the IMAX format too, like, you know, just kind of like dropping you in midair, you know, mm-hmm. even at the beginning of this movie where you're like, you're like, am I falling? Am I floating? What am I doing? <laughs> you know? And then that, that sound too of like, you know, that like sounds like the, you know, air just is sucked out of the room before that window explodes, you know? And it's just yes. like, you get yes. that burst of like the pressure change, you know, <laughs> almost <laughs> between like where you are with your breath, like still held in your chest into like, okay, now you can let go. And like, we're, you know, and then we're just fucking running. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the term for that is, um, is in medias res, which just means in the middle of, um, which okay. is like when you start a movie and like something's already happening, you know, there's other movie, you know, which is like the bond beginning. You were always like starting it. Like we're at the end of a mission, like shit's going on. We don't know yeah, where yeah. we are. We just know we're with bond and like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, and this is like, yeah, you know, we haven't been privy to the plan. We don't know what the plan is or anything. It's just like all of a sudden this heist is happening and we're, we're there, you know? Right. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's so effective, but having that moment of like kind of breathless, anticipation <laughs> right before you throw us onto that like treadmill <laughs> uh is uh is pretty wild it, it just works so well and like yeah and as you said the the blue uh, flames and smoke um creating the bat logo it's like when i was watching this one after you know we had a bit of a conversation about the the bats forming the bat logo in the first one mm-hmm. um you know i was just starting to think about it like you know there's no there's no cre- opening credits to these movies either they literally they just oh, yeah. you get that you get that one little image i mean there's some you know production company logos in front of the movie um but then you get that you know the abstract bat logo however they're going to do it and then the movie just begins yeah. um that's you know, I was starting to look at those now um, after having that conversation about the first one uh, as like, those are almost like if you looked at these movies as graphic novels, that's like the cover. Oh, okay. And yeah. It's like, okay. You know, so before we open it, you know, to the first page and see what's actually happening, you just have this cover image. That's splat. Yeah. Right. And, okay. You know, and, and they're all just like, he's been using it as like, we're taking the bat symbol and, you know, um, you know, reimagining it through these different, uh, you know, like elemental mediums based kind of based around like the themes of the movies. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we had the, all the individual bats coming together to create the larger one, you know, in the first one. And then, you know, this one having this sort of like chaos (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, flames of, I don't know, trial by fire, if you will, you know, that, that he's going to go through in this movie, you know, kind of, uh, creating the bat symbol and, you know, it's, it's really cool. 
Uh, but I thought that was like kind of a, a neat, uh, you know, tip of the hat in a way to like the comics that we're coming from. Because other than that, these movies, you know, are very, very deliberate about moving away from being comic book movies. Yes. These right. are very much like real world movies. So, you know, uh, again, just gave me an, an even deeper respect for, you know, that little seemingly very, you know, just kind of abstract uh, indulgent thing that he did at the beginning. It's like, no, I think he's actually accomplishing something with this, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's Nolan. I don't think he would do it unless he were. But, um, but yeah. And what's kind of interesting, another another thing that's that Christopher Nolan ha- has done on top of, uh, like, setting the bar for IMAX is that like since since these movies, since the, I would say since this movie in particular, like Superman movies and Batman movies since then have all been shot in some way in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, uh, Zack Snyder could have moved away from all that, but, you know, like, in his universe, like, <laughs> in his universe, uh, Metropolis is, uh, you know, Chicago is the backdrop for Metropolis. And uh, even just recently in the last couple of weeks since we recorded the Batman Begins episode, uh, you know, Matt Reeves was here with uh, the new Batman movie to shoot it mm-hmm. to shoot a couple scenes you know so like it's kind of crazy that like this i almost wonder if like whoever whoever director you know makes more batman movies in the future whoever it may be like maybe feels the need to come to chicago to pay homage to christopher nolan not necessarily uh-huh. <laughs> the character but just to shoot here where you know a certain batman precedent was set you uh-huh. know was, yeah was set totally anything <laughs> like that so i was thinking about that too with this opening sequence so yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So the opening sequence is this bank robbery, and it sets up the Joker. And I figured since on the first Batman, the you know, Timmy B's Batman movie, uh, Timmy B's B Man, Timmy B's B Man. I gotta get it right. <laughs> we talked a lot about the Joker. Uh, what do you? How did? What did you think watching this sequence again to set the Joker up? Let's, oh, let's just get into. Let's just get into it right now. Uh, well, I guess I should also just say something that I haven't just outright said. Like, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> like, yes. really, I really love this movie. I really okay. do. I, and I have for a long time. Like, since I've seen it, this is not like yeah. a, I just, I realized how much I like this movie. No, I've I've been pretty fucking into this thing for a while. And, yeah. <laughs> like, when it first came out on Blu-ray and shit also, I watched it pretty obsessively. Um, you know, pretty This regularly. and Aquaman, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, you know, if, if, <laughs> if my wife had more say in our movie watching habits, then, uh, then we would be watching Aquaman a lot more. Yes. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Uh, <laughs> but no, so it's, it's one of those movies. So I haven't watched it in a little while though. I think the last time I watched it was probably like two and a half years ago when like these 4k just came out. Okay. Okay. Uh, which I want to say was like I don't know, like early 2018 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I think I'm pretty sure that was the last time I watched this. But it's one of those movies where, like, when I watch it, uh, like every scene, as soon as the scene starts, like 20 incredibly precise details about this scene just immediately pop back into my head. Okay. Uh, that are just things like, oh, he says this line in a way that I always thought was a little strange, you know, or like. This inflection mm, okay. on this one word, you know, is weird. Or like, you know, this guy, I never understood why his voice was so high in the mix. 
you know, mm-hmm. or like little things like that that just they always pop up, and then I'm watching. And I'm like, yep, there it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just it's really funny, like how deeply ingrained my memory of like you know this movie really is. Yeah, and yeah. It's, when I don't watch it for a while, I kind of forget, and then when I watch it again, it's just like it all just comes like flooding back immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, uh, it's so yeah, just wanted to put that out there real quick. So I mean, that definitely I know I I spoke obviously very highly of Batman Begins as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, that said, I did try to, you know, take a bit more of a, you know, critical eye to things as well. um, Oh, yeah, yeah. While I was watching this, but um, but at the same time, it was like, man, there were certain times where I was just like, I just get wrapped up in it. You know, same, and like, same. I just, yeah. I just, all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit. I like for the past 30 minutes, I haven't been thinking about, I've just been enjoying it, you know, yes. I've been sitting yes. there like intellectualizing or analyzing it as like a film. I've just been like, yeah. <laughs> 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 so, and, and especially every time like Heath Ledger is on screen, it's just like, man. Yeah. Oh man. He's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, pretty absurd. Um, so anyway, so I, yeah, just to put that all out there. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so the beginning of the movie, uh, is, it's just like, it's fucking, it's really remarkable. I mean, it's, it's Mm -hmm. one of the, it's one of the best opening scenes to a movie I'd say ever. Yeah. Uh, I don't really, (laughs) I don't really see a a single issue with uh, it, you know? It's one of those openings where, I had I thought this as I was watching it where it seems so easy you kind of wonder why no one has done it before like this this sort of like game that's being played with all of these players and yeah. as soon as as soon as a job is accomplished like one person is set to kill the other one in an effort there to be just the mastermind mm-hmm. w- with it you know like I had that feeling watching it I was like Jesus I was like this is so simple but it's like incredible how it's played out yeah you know and, well, and, that's, and that's an that, yeah go ahead oh so oh no sorry uh uh if you need to continue please oh i was gonna say like it just uh it it's very very it's like a very very complicated thing that's happening on screen with everybody's jobs who's doing what you know and at, at what point but then also at the same time like it's incredibly simple and i also think that's like that's also like a thing that like christopher nolan like I, I think does really well. Like I know there are people who say like, well, I've got to watch, you know, I, I, I remember WGN, the, the film critic there giving inception a B like an, uh, like a, a letter rating of a B because he's like, you might need to go watch it a few times. And I'm just like, you should turn in your goddamn badge right now. There's nothing confusing about that movie. No, it's, it's pretty spelled out. Like it's, 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 that it's is intellectual, his, but yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's intellectual, that is his but genius like, it's as a director, yeah, yeah and a storyteller. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like you can see it in like the other movies, like with Inception and uh, Interstellar as well. Like they're very like high concept things going on, but the way it's you know shown to you on screen with dialogue and without, like it's very simple. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's very simple to get, and so yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's it's one of those scenes. It's so well put together that you start wondering: Has Christopher Nolan robbed a bank before? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, has he fucking done this? <laughs> this is really well thought. This is very well thought out. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, no, just the whole like. I mean, it because it introduces you in on so many levels that you don't understand 
the first time you watch the movie to like so many things about the film itself and about the Joker. Yes. Um, you know, just like the, uh, like the game he plays, you know, the, with everybody, um, mm-hmm. the, the movie literally plays that game with you. Like you are the Joker's first victim in a sense in the movie. Yes. Oh, so that's so it's, good. Yes. It's like yeah, everything yeah. after that, when he's doing it to other people, you're like, man, I have like, I've already kind of experienced this, you know, like he totally got the first time I saw it. I had no clue that was him. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, you start to suspect towards the end when you're like, this guy hasn't really said anything. And, you know, just I'd seen little bits that I knew. You'd start to notice some of the mannerisms and stuff about his character. Right. Um, you know, it's one of the, the second time you watch it, you're like, how did I miss it? You know? But yes. Yeah. It's like, you're like, that is totally him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, the first time it like totally tricks you. And, you know, when you get that reveal of him at the end of the scene and everything, you're just like, oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. it's so good um you know and it just explains everything about him as a character like you know his um you know not only the way that he thinks and the way that he puts these things together and this sort of like seeming kind of like disorder to it um but that is actually like incredibly well structured and thought out you know yeah um, right and in a sense it like it almost establishes like christopher nolan as the joker <laughs> at the beginning yeah, like he's, he's really kind of the one that 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 pulls the trick on you at the beginning you know by disguising even the joker's uh you know um involvement in that scene uh, yeah until yeah. the end of it and um yeah and it's just great and also just you know like so many just super smart things like all the fucking masks you know that they're wearing they like each mask has a distinct personality you mm-hmm. know it's like you're not confused about who's who also you know the actors he chose the voices are very distinct as well you know, yeah. and you really like you immediately kind of have this connection between like who all these characters are, even though you can't see any of their fucking faces, you know, and never do, um, which is also really impressive. Um, it's so I wanted to mention this, too, because um, this was like really, really fucking weird thing that happened. Um, okay. So when we recorded our last episode about Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, I remembered I was telling, you know, when we finished up, I was like, oh, I, you know, I can't fucking wait to watch Dark Knight again. It's been a couple of years, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but I got these, you know, these Andrei Zulovsky movies, this Polish director that I'm on kind of like a kick with right now. Yeah. And I was super excited about watching them. Um, so I like the next day I watched the, the movie that I texted you about where I was like, Bobby, this is the, like one of the most fucking insane movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. It's so it, it's got a French title. It's called L'Amour Brock. Okay. Um, which translates to like mad love or crazy love. Um, but the, the director preferred the term um, limpet love. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's strange. Hmm. Um, but, uh, but anyway, that movie begins with a fucking bank robbery with a bunch of people <laughs> wearing um, masks of like Looney Tunes and Disney characters. Weird. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Holy shit. That's... Yeah wow it's really it's fucking insane and it's an insane scene um <laughs> and there's like you know there's a lot a lot of zulovsky in general uses a lot of like low angle camera work and stuff and yeah anytime and you know anytime there was like a low angle fucking shot in the uh, bank in um dark knight i was just cracking i was like what the fuck i was like i think christopher nolan might have actually seen this movie as well yeah there's a oh, couple little because cool. Because it's, you know, there's a very clear, uh, and I think Nolan's been very open about this too, reference to um, the Stanley Kubrick film, The Killing. Yes. Um, the masks that they're wearing are basically direct, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, ripoffs of the masks um, that they wore in, in the uh, climax of The Killing. 
so you know that was very much a, a an homage to Kubrick uh, and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, but man, I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't know though. There's this this there's a lot going on between these two movies with this opening scene <laughs> as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was just really really weird. Uh, that That's hilarious. I, I, I chose to put off watching Dark Knight so I could watch this other movie instead, <laughs> and it ended up having like the fucking very similar opening. So hey, nice. But, nice. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, amazing scene, and uh, and again, like we were talking about with the um, with Batman Begins, like just you know the the intelligence of like casting recognizable people in small parts, like mm-hmm. having oh, yeah. char- having character actor William Fickner, uh, you mm-hmm. know, as the mob owned bank, you know, manager that comes out with a yeah. shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking perfect. It's like, it's just great. And again, like, you know, adds so much to the scene that you, you know, it didn't necessarily need. Sure. You could have had like a unrecognizable guy play that role. Yeah. It's not asking a lot, but, but having that dude and just kind of like what he brings to the table, just when you immediately initially see him. um, Right. Just like such a great addition to the movie. Yeah, no, I really love that, that opening scene and, um, you know, going into seeing Batman again, uh, in the in the parking structure uh yeah we get like we're reintroduced to uh jonathan crane scarecrow character and um uh what's his name the russian mm-hmm. you know with the yeah. with the dogs and stuff uh i like that guy that guy's pretty good he's my favorite bad guy in the you in, know in the mo- like in not joker just yeah oh not uh, joker no, he's yours yeah or no no, no uh, like other than joker i mean Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Obviously Joker's the best in this whole movie, you know, yeah. period. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I like that dude a lot, mostly because, and we'll, we'll get to the scene, but the, when he does the, you know, can I show you guys a magic trick or yeah. how about a magic trick? And he, you know, slams the guy's head on the table. Uh, that dude, the, uh, the like Russian dude or whatever, he looks kind of impressed. Yeah. And then, I mean, he's the one who's like, I want to hear proposition, you know, but when he does the magic, they could, they do this cutaway shot to his face and he just kind of has this look like, all right yeah, that's a good trick even that pencil uh, disappeared all right <laughs> do you since since we're talking about the joker do you want to do you want to talk about that scene because i got some stuff about that too you know what yeah we're already talking about joker let's just talk about let's, joker more let's, yeah, we'll let's get, just talk about joker about it we right? talked we talked about batman later it's fine yeah yeah <laughs> um that's that scene um actually had me cracking up i was because i was gonna ask like oh man you're not an eric roberts fan you're not a fan of uh He's Itali- he's really he's really fun in this too. <laughs> Italian Eric Roberts, like he's got this lisp. You know, he does like this thing when he speaks that it just is like he doesn't need to do it. I just feel like he might have just been like, "Chris, I'm just gonna do this," and mm-hmm. he's like, "Fine, whatever." <laughs> you know what I mean? But his 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 reactions to the stuff that like the Joker is doing in that in that scene are um are pretty great. That scene is is definitely a contender for best scene in the movie. Oh, best scene in the movie that one? It's it's a major contender. Yeah, I don't, okay. I, I right. haven't definitively you know uh, come to a conclusion in my own head, but man, that scene is like holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a scene I like very distinctly remember seeing this movie for the first time. Like that scene really. I mean, I was already like way in, but that scene really like took my breath away. Yeah, because there was yeah. already so you were expecting so much from the Joker character already, just with everything surrounding it and what little had been seen, you know, already mm-hmm. of his character was like, holy shit, this guy's gonna be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. 
the like you know to to get that first scene where you get to really like stick with him for a little while right you know, yeah, and really true, yeah. see him like perform you know this character for a while it's i mean it's really breathtaking and yeah. uh and and on subsequent viewings as well like every time you're just like really blown away by just the quality of the scene itself and everything that he's doing in it and you know even just the the shit where it's like <laughs> I mean, it's funny too. It's like you kind of like, you know, you're like, <laughs> man, this like this guy is brutal, and you know, and that's and that's an interesting thing too that I wanted to bring up as well is like, you know, this this movie in general, like that, you know, the the magic trick thing with the I'm going to make this pencil disappear and stuff, like, is the first yeah. time that it really happens in the movie. But this movie manages to feel like extremely brutal and violent at times. Yeah. Um, even though it's PG-13, and as far as I know, there's uh, there's not a drop of blood in the entire thing uh no yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah uh but yeah it still manages to feel like extraordinary like really harsh at times i mean that in particular you know that scene you're like that pencil went in through his eyeball into his brain and killed yeah. him right now like yeah. that's what just happened <laughs> <laughs> he's dead yeah, yeah like that's yeah. a really sadistic and violent way to kill somebody and he just did that <laughs> right now and, and all i can think about is what a clever camera move you know because like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really was because it made it it completely disguised all of that but it felt like you know it, it felt more whoa you know like intense than like a lot of movies that show it Right, right. You know, because it, it, you know, a lot's been made of the the power of your imagination, and when you what you see in your head is infinitely probably more graphic than anything they could actually put on the screen in front of you. But you know, still, if that had been done in like a really graphic way, I don't think it would have registered nearly as uh, well as it does. You know, as intensely. Do you think it's on the same level as uh, uh, Jack Nicholson frying a guy and then tough talking his corpse? <laughs> Is it like that level of, uh, you know, like, this is kind of fucked up. This is what I yeah. just saw right well, now. Well, that, like... that just all had such a comic tone to it, though, you know? like Okay, yeah, that's true. You're right. You're you know? right. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because, like, I mean, this is the first time that we have seen the, the character of the Joker on screen since Nicholson. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know? So, like... You know, you were bringing up, you know, the the comic tone of of the scene I was just describing with with him, you know, t uh, tough talking the corpse and stuff. But you know, like that's this is also the first movie where you know we we step away from the comic book origin of the Joker, where Batman has dropped him into a vat of acid, and you know his um, that this is the reason why his face has become you know bleached. And he has, you know, clown-like features now. And this one, it's just just a guy with paint on his face who has, you know, scars that seem to form a <laughs> smile uh, on his face and everything like that. So I think that was... I remember, like, reading early reviews of the movie and them talking about, you know, this scene that happens. And, you know, like, it just really sets the tone for, like the introduction the reintroduction of joker into like the cinematic world and the cinematic language with what he does and he uses uh, yeah. and stuff you know and he reiterates how, that later I mean, on in the movie go ahead oh and just just how far ahead of everyone else he is you know like he he yeah. likes to play this character like he's you know as he describes to dent later i'm just a car dog chasing cars you know i wouldn't know what right, to do right. if i caught him it's like no, he is so far ahead of everyone else. Like, mm -hmm. and this scene establishes it. It's like right away, you know, he comes in. It's like he already knows everything. 
Yeah. You know, even that like this dude has fucking taken all their money. I mean, obviously he was listening to the conversation, but it seems like he was very clearly aware of this before, you know, that. Right. Um, like he knows everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And like that as well is, you know, just again, everything about his character is just so is perfectly established in this one scene. Yeah. Um, and, and the story, you know, and as you said, it kicks off the plot of the movie, you know, as well, which uh, of course ends up going in, you know, a number of different directions as it progresses. But, um, but yeah, the whole, like I'm kidnapping your money to, you know, pay me to kill Batman. It sets off the Joker versus Batman thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, so you brought the plot up a moment mm-hmm. ago. And so I think I want to get into the plot of it because I feel like there's one point in this movie where it kind of runs out of steam a little bit. Mm, okay. But I'm wondering if that's, uh, I'm wondering if that's uh, w- with you describing, you know, the Joker always being there and, you know, being, you know, the beginning of the movie, the bank heist, and also this scene with all the mobsters, like really sets him up as being like one step ahead and knowing everything. Like I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if like the reason why I feel it runs out of steam is because of the Joker. Like is like, it's all like how he says it's all like part of the plan or whatever. Right. And so by the time we get to the point where it's like after that giant, uh, chase sequence where, uh, you know, Dent says, you know, I'm the Batman and they take him into custody. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an effort to get Batman to finally capture the Joker, like clearly that was like set up at least in Joker's mind for him to get captured so that he could get to Lau, who is in the MCU. Yeah, uh, you know, and so uh, there's that part where he he finally gets out of the MCU and basically like it's, it's there's there's not a shot of it, but you know, Lau's on top of all that money that gets burned. So I'm gonna assume <laughs> he was burned alive. <laughs> Uh (laughs) uh-huh you know um but it's like after that i feel kind of like the joker's just having like fun at that point like Mm -hmm. it's it's no longer about like the plot to get to get batman it'll it'll just be to see if like batman could like kill him because his ace in the hole harvey dent is already like in play yeah you know and so um so I think I like I wanted to talk about the plot, but then also like this dovetail of like the Joker to Harvey Dent, like, you know, Harvey Dent Two-Face and stuff, because his story starts, you know, Harvey's story starts kind of where we when we see him like kidnap that guy that gets shot at the parade. And like we really start to see like the other side of Harvey yeah. Dent, you know. And so um, I think I feel like everything leading up to leading up to the chase and then after after the chase happens there's just kind of like this lull before we get into that final set piece where it's Harvey judging everybody uh with with the coin and stuff like that but i mean what do you what do you think yeah i mean it's uh it's i it there's so much momentum like the way that events sort of naturally kind of like move one into the next and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of like cause and effect kind of consequence happening yeah it like that specific kind of momentum does kind of come to a halt in the moment that you're talking about okay um yeah like when because yeah it's like partially because it's like all of a sudden we're like okay well we caught the joker so like what oh yeah that's true 
yeah. what are we doing now? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, and then that, that whole situation turns around and there's a couple of really great scenes, man. The scene in there where he's intimidating that police officer and it's like telling him the whole, like, hey, do you want to know how many of them were cowards and shit? It was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, yeah, still true, love yeah. the, you know, uh, Joker lecturing Batman on how to properly torture someone. Yes. Uh, mo- yeah. uh, so good. <laughs> and, and you know, the that whole scene, like, you know, when he does start just beating the shit out of him and he's just laughing at him about, like, you have nothing to threaten me with, you know? Like, yeah, right. You can't, you can't do shit. Um, <laughs> is, is really great. Uh, you know, really just, again, these are just great thematic moments that really illustrate kind of some of the points that the movie is driving at in a larger sense. Mm-hmm. Um, where it really kind of like culminates or, you know, comes to a head. Uh, but yeah, so then after that twist of like, no, he wanted to be captured, you know, yeah, to get to, uh, to Lao and everything. Um, yeah, no, it does kind of leave you in a place where you don't really know where we're headed next. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so for a little bit there, I, I think I know what you're talking about. It does sort of seem like we're just kind of having scenes until something happens that's like the next kind of thread. Yeah, right. And I'll agree with you that it does take on a little bit of a feeling like that at that point. But I think it's like, I think it's kind of necessary. I was about to say, do you think we need it? Yeah, I think it's kind of necessary just to, just to get the the deck reshuffled, you know, where we need it to be for that amazing final act to play out, you know? Yeah, right. The way that it does. Because then after that, yeah, once we get into, yeah, the whole, the two boats, and mm-hmm. Harvey's on the loose, but, you know, Batman doesn't really know about it yet, you know, and all that type of shit. Um, you know, then we get right back into that whole thing where, you know, we kind of know all of the the pieces that are in play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, but, you know, we're, we're so we kind of, you know, when one thing happens, we know kind of what's still unresolved that needs to be addressed kind of next. We kind of know where we're headed and how this is going to lead into it. Um, right. So, again, it kind of picks that momentum back up towards the end of the movie. Um but, uh, but yeah, so I think I, I, I know what you mean. I, I kind of feel it as well. And I think also, you know, the audience might need it a little bit in general just to kind of like, Take okay, what are we doing? You know, the movie, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's fairly complex, kind of like the whole yes. story of this film, like all of the different um, elements, you know, and I know a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people even complain too that like even the, the ending um, with the way that they're using all the cell phones as like echo locators and stuff like that. Like I've talked to people that are kind of like, I still don't really understand what they did there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or like, okay. All right. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, what, what kind of is going on with that whole thing. And, and I get it. They do kind of like rush through some of this tech babble, you know, yes. stuff. Uh, and it just kind of gets into like, okay, uh, sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Basically we found Joker. So here we are, you know? But yeah, so, you know, anyway, so there's a, there's a lot going on at any given time in this movie for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, that that's a good moment, um, you know, after like, especially that moment where we've kind of had like so many things literally, you know, plow head first right into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I think the audience kind of needs a moment to like collect themselves. Okay, here's all the shit that just happened. Here's why we're here. And like now we're, you know, moving forward and here's all the pieces that are in play there, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it would have would have been difficult, I think, to maintain that momentum through some, you know, pretty necessary exposition kind of stuff that needs to happen in that, you know, uh, interim. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, but no, I've, I, I know what you're talking about, though, very specifically. I, I kind of feel it, too. It's like you do hit this weird kind of like wall in a sense. 
mm-hmm. um, while watching the movie where it is like all of a sudden there is like a like the floor drops out from under you uh, in a sense. And you're just like, wait, where are we now, though? Like, I don't know yeah, what's happening like, now, you know? And I think that's like I think that's probably the only part of this movie that I get like a little if I can get critical about anything, like if I sure. really thought about something, because then there's a, that there's that like there's that B subplot of like the guy at Wayne that's been checking the numbers and then he's going to reveal who Bruce Wayne was. Like, I feel like I get like just a smidge bored. Like that guy, Mr. Mr. Reese is like the microwave emitter of this movie. I'm just like, (laughs) I, you know, we could lose this guy and I'm fine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like it's affected in any way, you know, by it other than like this really, I think it's at that point where I feel like the Joker's planning starts to get a little unbelievable for me. Um, because it's like, I, I don't think he planned for Reese to show up on television and say like, Hey, I know who Batman is. You know, he's just using the situation to his advantage to, you know, create more chaos, you know, as, as, you know, his themes and what's going on in the movie and everything like that. But it's like at that point when we, when like, when he's brought into, you know, this little, you know, B storyline and like Bruce Wayne has to go and save him. I'm just kind of like. Uh, okay, like let's just let's just get to it, you know, kind of already, you know, because I mm-hmm. feel like the same thing does happen in Batman Begins, and it happens, but but for a shorter period of time. It's like, you know, Bruce saves Rachel from. Uh, it's like after the car chase, he saves Rachel, you know, cures her, and then he's there at his birthday party, and the small, you know, that short amount of window is just at the birthday party until we see Raz al Ghul and then it's, and it's actually Liam Neeson. And it's like, holy shit, this is the twist right here is that this dude didn't like die or he's still, you know, he's still lurking around. And then that's like, it picks up, you know, just as quickly, like from that scene. But yeah, in dark Knight, it just like it, we do hit that wall a little bit, you know, Harvey's in the hospital. And I guess I wasn't like the biggest fan of like the, the Reese like subplot, you know, yeah. like, and you know, I felt like if I could like lift anything out of the movie, I would do that and just mm-hmm. you know stick with Harvey more. I guess I don't know. Yeah, no, that I'm, that character does. I'll I'll admit to uh, it does feel a little shoehorned in. Yeah, uh, in a sense, and because um, also it's like he like he comes back like an hour after you know we went to China and like kidnapped this dude. And yes. brought him back. It's like, and because it, it's like he's like, hey, I ran the numbers again on that, and it's like, but that deal was canceled literally five seconds after the last conversation you had about it. Oh yeah, like, that's right. Why, yeah. why are you still running the fucking numbers on this thing? Yeah, you know, like that deal's been <laughs> off. <laughs> so it's even just kind of weird, you know, that like, because uh, yeah, so it seems like one of those scenes where it's like even the initial scene of him coming in there ends up feeling like an obvious just kind of plant for like later. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, okay, rather true. than yeah, yeah. everything else feels so, you know, organic and like it just flows so well and so naturally and everything that like, you know, this one thing that where you look at it and you're kind of like, yeah, it does really it like literally only comes up at the three points in the movie that it needs to come up. You know, yeah, it's right. like one quick conversation at the beginning and then like the threat is established, you know, an hour later and or like an hour and twenty minutes later, and laughed off by Lucius, rightly so. Yeah. And then and then this and then like ten minutes later, this guy shows up again doing the exact thing he was just sort of like intimidated out of doing five minutes earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 
uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he's, you know, they're like, he's going to give up the identity because he wants to save everybody and be the hero. Obviously, right. that's what he gets him to change his mind. Because if he gives up the, you know, then Joker's going to stop killing people ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, him turning that on him, I, if I remember right, that's the first time Joker, like, actually kind of then begins to involve, like, the people of Gotham. You know, right. are, yeah, are now right. subject to, you know, his, you know, his whims as well. Like, I'm going to blow up a hospital and one of you has to kill this person, mm-hmm. um, you know, and all this type of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it does seem, uh, it, it does seem well, extreme, maybe, you know, too well thought out for being thought up so quickly. Yeah, as as you mentioned, you know, maybe I don't know, was he planning on blowing up a hospital already and just decided to like, this is, you know, how I'm now going to frame, you know, my blowing up of the hospital Mm -hmm. is seemingly the only logic that gets around that, you know, as if like he was going to blow up this hospital anyway. Now he just saw this opportunity to be like, oh, here, let me have some more fun with this. Right. You know, by now saying like, hey, I'm going to do this uh, unless somebody kills this guy. I got to um, imagine I got to imagine that he always knew that he was going to kill kill Harvey Dent and kill Rachel. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that had that had to have been like like maybe right there in when he like infiltrates like the fundraiser party. Mm-hmm. Like he was he was always going to kill the both of them and because Dent didn't die that's probably what like flipped these plans of like well, since Dent hasn't died, this is my opportunity to like, you know, bring him down. So now we're going to like, now I'm going to say I'm going to blow up the hospital so that I can have easy access to him and cause so much chaos that no one's going to know, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm walking around or whatever, you know, right. Um, if I try and think about it like logically and stuff, um, if I can kind of dovetail this to Batman Returns a little bit, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, it's, this is the second movie in, in Nolan's Batman universe and Batman Returns is Tim Burton's second movie and Batman Returns also has a second villain. It's, it's Penguin and Catwoman, uh, that are, that are the two baddies in it. And then for this movie, it is the Joker and Two-Face. However, Two-Face does not show up until what, the last hour, maybe 40 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Like more like 40 minutes really. Yeah. 40 minutes of this movie. And so, um, Obviously, a better use of each character, right? Um, but I wonder if you think, like, if, you know, superhero movies do this, where they have, like, two villains per R1 superhero that, like, they're layered in more like this. Where yeah. Because jo- cause Two-Face is well, not really, like, a main villain. He's just kind of like a... Well, he's, I mean, literally, he's literally the embodiment of the battle between the two main characters. You know, that's like, true. Yes. like he, I mean, that's literally what the two face becomes, you know, he's the pole between, cause like, you know, they, like they talk about at the end of um, Batman begins the whole like escalation idea. Yeah. So like, okay. You know, you're jumping off of rooftops, you know, they're, what are they going to do next? You know, and all this type of shit. Like, you know, we wear body armor, they get armor piercing bullets. There's this natural kind of like, we do one thing, they're going to find a way to get around it or combat it or you know, yeah. escalate things to that level. Um, and so like, you know, Joker and Harvey are kind of like the two versions of escalation from Batman. Like Harvey's like the good version of escalation where like now he's this emboldened, you know, like arm of the law, you Mm -hmm. know, like actual legal, you know, um, uh, actual, you know, uh, proper legal process and everything. 
Yeah. Um, unlike Batman's vigilante status, obviously. And then Joker is obviously the, you know, escalation on the other side, on the criminal side of things. Um, and yeah, it's just so cool to see that, like, you know, the way that like that is played thematically and like why these characters were chosen, they were chosen like so fucking brilliantly, you know, to work as more than just again, like than just as comic book stereotype, uh, comic book, uh, uh, you know, villains sort of like cackling while they wrap their fingers together and stuff. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you know, into, you know, something that exists in the real world and has, like, actual, you know, gravity and, like, narrative consequence and feels like the stakes are actually genuinely very high. Right, um, right. You know, and so, yeah, by, you know, making these two characters already from the beginning, like, are already offshoots. Like, all three of these characters are immediately interconnected from the beginning of this movie. Like, they don't... Harvey Dent and Joker don't exist without Batman. So, like, they're already in this weird love triangle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then mirrored in the, you know, Bruce Wayne, Rachel Dawes, Harvey Dent <laughs> love triangle as well. Yeah. That's also going on. I would say triangles are the predominant shape of this film um, <laughs> in terms of its uh, narrative construction. Uh, if I were to reduce such things to geometry, uh, which I dare say I just did. Um, God damn it. They told me I would need math, Dorian. And I said, no, I won't. <laughs> and now we're here. You want to talk about movies? You need to know your maths. <laughs> or uh math as it was sometimes referred to at, uh, at flashpoint um but uh but anyway so they're already interconnected and then yeah like the way that like that dynamic then changes throughout the movie is like what keeps it interesting and so good okay you know it's right. like you know again as the two of them combat each other and basically they're fighting they're pulling on each side of harvey dent you know they want him to you know joker wants him to take that extremity that he's already developed, but pervert it and corrupt it and bring it over to his side of things. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Batman of course wants to keep him on his side. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the rift that develops across his physical, you know, countenance is obviously completely symbolic of that, you know, push and pull that's happening between the two of them over his soul. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, it's just, it's, you know, it's put to good use. Like, obviously it has like very literal reasons for being there as well. So, you know, played as just that or read as just that, it's completely satisfying as well, just completely as a narrative thing that happens to this character. Uh, yeah. It totally fucking works and it's great. Um, but it's also carries like this great, you know, symbolic and, you know, visual storytelling kind of depth to it um, that really just, you know, is visually constantly reinforcing that theme. And then obviously the way they shoot him and frame him in certain scenes where they prefer uh, you know, or bias the camera towards one side or the other, you can see the way that that's being reflected in his personality. If you're seeing more of his real face, he's, you know, a little bit more Harvey. See the other side, it's a little more Two-Face, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's, it's really cool. And so it's like, you know, his ultimate creation is the result of, like, the culmination of their conflict. And so, it like, again, it makes sense that mm-hmm. he's not really there till the end of the movie. Um, and again, it's like he's not really, like the villain in the end either he's sort of like the ultimate victim like the one who needs the most saving you know more than anyone and you know batman obviously has to you know sacrifice more than he's ever sacrificed before in order to save him um, right and to save gotham but like that's because what what harvey dent means and what saving harvey dent means about batman and about gotham and about this future mm-hmm. is obviously greater than his needs you know in that moment and everything and it just it all works so perfect. Like if you wrote that story with characters that were not in costumes or fighting crime, it would be a beautiful story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And he managed to, he managed to fit that into, you know, a fucking superhero framework, which is like 
what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck could ever think of that? You know, uh, would ever think that would work? And, uh, yeah. you know, he just did it, does it so well that it's like, even if you watch it just as like these characters from the comic books brought to life, again, it's completely satisfying and entirely yeah. successful at just doing yeah. that. But like you look at it on this, you know, if you want to look at the, I don't know, the Dark Knight as an art house film, you know, side no, of it. Yeah, you're, yeah, it, yeah. It totally fucking works, you know? Uh, it's, and, that, and that's why, you know, that's why this movie is what it is. That's why it has the reputation it has. Like it's, it's that good. I think that's a little bit of like, I mean, you know, the, 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 the Batman return side of it is like the conversation we had, uh, which you haven't listened to that episode, uh, go back and listen to that episode. But, uh, yeah, I'm rough. Sure. I'm, I'm referencing something that I, I, we had talked about there was when I said, you know, if there was a villain you could take away from Batman returns, who would you take away? You know what I mean? Because it seemed to be that we got, we started mm-hmm. to create more of a story around, Max Shrek being the bad side of the coin of a uh, of Bruce Wayne, right? Right. Like there's there's that two face there, but then there's also Catwoman who is a woman that's struggling in her own life and also has this alternate personality where she or persona where she has a mask on and everything and and uh kind of interestingly like the you know, it doesn't have the same effect, but there is somewhat of like a same scene in both of those movies like at the end of Batman Returns when like he tells her like we're the same like split right down the middle you know and just says like come with me and like takes his mask off it's a little bit of them trying to reason with harvey at the end like mm-hmm. you know like we're, we're all the same we're all trying to do good you know like we all have it in us it's just like this outside this outside force you know the joker is the one who this is what he was doing he's been playing with you and using you you know and, th- and that kind of stuff and so um uh, you know, it's it's funny because yeah, when we were talking about when we were talking about all this, we you know we landed on like actually, is Penguin is the one who really kind of doesn't belong in this movie. Yes, exactly. You know, right. like yeah, that like Catwoman and Max Shrek, who was originally supposed to be Two Face. That's right. Yes, they had yeah, because they had Harvey. Like those three characters and what they were doing thematically in that movie would make sense. Yes. And and we kind of talked about like, you know, <laughs> what would this movie be if you took out Danny, you know, took out Penguin? And we were like, well, it would just be that was obviously like why Tim Burton wanted to make this movie. Right, yeah. You know, and so he just wouldn't have made it. You know, this movie just doesn't exist without him because that was his reason, but it's like in a lot of ways The Dark Knight is what that movie is without the Penguin. That's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, Catwoman's kind of like I just kind of like Joker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a little fucked up in the head. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I, but you know, she she kind of is like a, a a little bit of like an agent of chaos. You know, she switches sides in Batman Returns and stuff. She's not necessarily the good. You know, and there's that that play between like you know Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne are like fucking way down with each other. But Catwoman and Batman hate each other. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and those types of elements. So th- there's like something of it there. And it's like, yeah, if you, if you took Penguin out of that movie and, you know, had a more, you know, satisfying narrative approach to it, you kind of end up with this movie. Yeah. No, uh, I yeah. agree. That's, yeah. In that's, a weird way. Yeah. It's it's kind of interesting. <laughs> 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 so what we're saying is Chris Nolan sat down with his brother, watched Batman Returns and said. Yeah, it was like, how can we improve on this? Yo, like, there's some, well, there's a, let's, let's do this here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, well, there's any number of ways to improve on this, but what do we want to do? Uh, so 
All right. Well, I I think also you know to um, compare Batman Returns and Dark Knight just a little bit too. I guess the other the other point of comparison I thought of was uh, the Bat Pod. We got. Oh uh, yeah, we, that's we, right. We have a new technology. Yes. We we get the Bat Pod in both of these. Um, we do get the Bat Pod in both of these. <laughs> which is. <laughs> I don't know if late. I I don't know if I like I don't know if I like or dislike that we're kind of maybe finding similarities with the Dark Knight and the Batman Returns, but this is yeah, I know it's it's kind of <laughs> shocking, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for our listeners who haven't listened to our Batman Returns episode, and if you haven't seen the movie, there is a sequence in the movie where after the Batmobile is hijacked electronically by the Penguin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman is uh, barreling towards the only <laughs> the only space in Gotham City between two buildings. It's it's not even an alley. It's just like a <laughs> corner where like two buildings like have this are built like you know like forty five degree offset from all the other buildings for some reason and just create this one little narrow channel. <laughs> it's just it's a brief bottleneck, you know. Yeah, a brief bottleneck. <laughs> yeah. And, um, anyways. Uh, Batman hits a Batman hits a little button in the car, and uh, the fenders of the car fly off, and it basically turns into a, a a bat pod, a bat missile, and narrowly inches through both of the buildings, foiling the police officers who have regular sized cars and do not mm-hmm. fit. There's nothing they can do. They're totally fucking done. Absolutely nothing they can do. And in yeah. this movie, uh, after a thrilling chase, uh, the Batmobile is seemingly destroyed and out of it comes a motorcycle mm-hmm. the, the yeah. two front tires shoot off with bruce attached to them basically yeah <laughs> uh also man it looks like i i mean i don't know what kind of you know like safety you know seat belt slash safety harness system he's got going on inside of the the tumbler but uh it's it's really good because that fucking <laughs> that crash that he has before the bat pod comes out is pretty gnarly. Well, he's in the he's in like he's in that extended position, right? When the car gets blown, when the car gets flipped over. I think so. Yeah, right. Because then, because that's because then he like you know he blasts out of there as the bat pod. Like yeah, yeah, yeah he's so. like way up in the front of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. man, that thing that the tumbler. I mean, it lives up to its name in that scene. It goes for quite the tumble in that it, scene. It, <laughs> like, does. it he, does. He might be fucking dead. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, he just he just shoots out of it. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes. Um, uh, it, with him where where the bat pod goes through in the city of chicago mm-hmm. uh only because the train station that he goes into uh oh, yeah. it's, it's the millennium station and that is the train station i use to go home to my neighborhood south chicago oh nice and so i i remember that train station when they were when they were remodeling it to what it is now and so when this movie came out, being able to see that on the big screen, it was just like, I know probably fucking thousands of people go through that train station. So it's uh-huh. all of their train station. But for me, that's my fucking train station. And that's awesome. It was so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I know we didn't talk too much about Christian Bale, but I mean, like I, you know, not that he's not the I think one of the things that we we talked about with uh, both Tim Burton movies is, yes, you know, Batman is not the main character. 
uh, of those movies, even though, you know, his name's above the marquee, so to speak. And, uh, and, and neither does like his, his actions or his reactions to anything sort of push the story forward in any way. It's usually like the villains of the movie that are sort of dictating the plot of those movies. And, uh, you know, it's in, it's in the dark night that like, obviously that shifts like Batman, Bruce Wayne, like, uh, you know, is the main character and he's more a part of the plot and, you know, his, his actions and reactions have consequences a la, you know, Rachel, Rachel dying, um, you know, and, um, and, and all that kind of stuff, but just like, like really solid. Like I like, I like, uh, Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne. Mm hmm. Oh, he's you know, excellent. Yeah. Like, I really like him as Bruce Wayne. Uh, the, I think I think the scene that really got me was his... Uh, it's right after that first action sequence where he gets bit by the dog and Alfred comes in and starts to continue to stitch him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way he's talking about, like, you know, uh, the copycats and, like, what he's going through and, like, knowing his limits and he doesn't have any limits and stuff like that. And, like, I just like that Bruce Wayne. Like, it just, I just really like him as, as, as Wayne and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, just like another solid performance. I just dig him in the movie yeah. as well. No, you know? he, he just carries like that same kind of like driven momentum, you know, from the first one, like straight into this one, you know? Yeah. And it's great. It's like, yeah, it's, it's talking highly of everyone else's. Yeah. Not to diminish his performance no. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's, you know it's just so easy with this movie, especially because he, you know, he died and everything to just, you immediately just start talking about Heath, you know? Right, 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 right. It's it's easy to just like kind of pass over, gloss over everyone else who everybody turns in remarkable performances in this movie. Like, you know, it's not a, it's not really a a bad apple in the bunch, but, um, but uh, yeah, so it's, you know, there's, there's one that is obviously so fucking exceptional though, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, also just seems like, feels like the impossible, um, right like they they never could have uh you know pulled this off uh made brought this kind of character into this type of world in a convincing or like you know satisfying way mm-hmm. and um you know they managed to do so and it's in large part you know his performance and and also just being able you know having to live up to you know jack nicholson in the first one and right you know yeah. his ability to not only make something like completely his own out of it but in some ways be like yeah i don't know he gave jack a run for his money that's it's a real toss-up, you know, who's the better Joker? They're, you know, it's apples and oranges. They're completely fucking different characters. Yes. And completely yes. different movies. You know, it's it's almost like doesn't even bear a comparison, even though they're drawn from the same source material. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it really, you know, I, I, don't see a, I don't see a fair way of actually comparing the two of them because the, what their, their objectives are so vastly different from each other, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, one is a comic book movie and one is not a comic book movie. You know, yeah. like, I, I, I have a hard time, you know, I have a hard time, you know, saying that the Christopher Nolan movies, the Batman movies are comic book movies. Like, I mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, you know, if you want to call them comic book movies in the long list of movies that, you know, uh, uh, genres you can put on this, action, drama, art house, like, I would say comic book is the last thing that I would describe these movies yeah, at and that's that's right. and that's in a very respectful way you know what i mean it's not it's not like offensively but like you know uh the tim burton batman movies i mean like yeah uh, michael keaton is a very unassuming batman like he looks like a bruce wayne he looks like just this you know billionaire guy who buys shit from japan and just has it up in his house 
Right. But you never buy him as Batman. And then that's the point of the comic books, or at least like the source material they're drawing from for those movies. You know, up until you get to, you know, different comic book artists who are uh, accurately portraying like uh, Bruce Wayne in a way where like, okay, if someone actually did this, he'd actually have to have some muscle on him, some smarts. Mm -hmm. Like he'd actually have to look, look, look the part. And like, you know, Christian Bale looks the part, you know, like rightfully so. So. Yeah, um, no, the, the Nolan Batman movies are comic book movies in the same way that, like, movies that say they're based on true stories are actually based off of true stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better than like, uh, I think, where I was going. I, yeah. I think that's about, yeah, I think that's the level of, you know, um, similarity that they carry. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, you said that your uh, hands down, your, your favorite scene in the movie was the uh, interrogation, or the... Um, the meeting uh, with the mob mob guys, right? Uh, no, just that was. I thought it was a, a heavy contender for it. Heavy? Do so, you have like a favorite like scene? Uh, I, not that I've. I you know I hadn't really thought about it until I made that comment. Yeah. Um, but it's just like that's kind of. I think when I think about this movie, that's like the first scene I think about in my head. Is that scene? Okay. Is that so, scene? I think that's right. saying something. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I. Uh, how, about, how about yourself? I, I, I think I have to go with like a favorite sequence, which is just the the chase to catch the Joker that's after so Har- after yeah. Harvey Dent. Like that's that's it's like that scene, uh, the shootout in the in the lobby of the Matrix, and the scene in Predator where they unload on the forest are like those are my top three where I will. <laughs> You know, it's like when you buy a new TV or a new sound system and you want to test it out. It's like mm-hmm. it's one of those three that you put in and just crank the fuck up to test it out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's an excellent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> excellent framing of it. Yeah. And or yeah. or any scene in Terminator 2, basically. Oh yeah, true. Especially yeah, especially if you just got a new sound system, it's like just turn on Terminator Two. Just you know, <laughs> nice. Just go straight to the best, you know. <laughs> um, uh, well, I don't, I don't have anything for rest for Dark Knight. What do you got there? Yeah, I don't either. I think it's about Asahi O'Clock over here. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good spot to end it. Um, Perfect. Thank you everybody for listening. And in a couple weeks, wait, what are we doing next? Are we do are we going straight into Dark Knight Rises or you want so to do wait. Birdman? Hold up, hold up, <laughs> time, time out. Hold up a second. So when I watched, regardless, we should watch Birdman and talk about it. But yeah, when I watched that uh, documentary series, the the on YouTube of the Dark Knight trilogy, Nolan said something that you know put 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 each of his movies and like what he was doing in like a, a theme. Right. And that he said the third movie, they were the third movie, dark Knight rises. He was grappling with, uh, disaster movies. Like, you know, movies where like the world is at, you know, a threat or there's a meteor coming into world like disaster movies. So yeah, I'm going to make my final, my final argument to say, since Bane is in, you know, Dark Knight Rises, that, you know, we should watch Batman and Robin, the ultimate Batman disaster movie, <laughs> and compare it to Chris Nolan's disaster movie. Well, it's, I mean, 
It's never going to survive any actual comparison between the two. <laughs> I don't know, man. We found some pretty good ones today between The Dark Knight and Batman Returns, okay? And, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, for, for um, all its flaws, I will still say Batman Returns is still, it is still like an auteur film. Well, yeah, you know, I know that. I don't, yeah. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if I can say that about Batman and Robin. I don't think I'm looking for you to say that about Batman yeah. and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that's that's why I'm even able to like even draw comparisons between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. Um, well, a... mar- mar- marinate on it for for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. No, we don't have to decide right now. All right. No, so we don't. Your, it's it's but, either but gonna be what... Batman and Robin or Birdman. Yeah, because I <laughs> I feel I I kind of feel like if we do Birdman and The Dark Knight Rises, like they're two, they're two out hard art house movies done at a very high level that I don't know that I would be able to be like, well, which one is better? You know, like not that, not that that's what we're doing here. It is to say like, is, is Batman returns better than dark Knight or vice versa. But, right. um, I don't, dude, I don't know, man. We might be able to find some pretty fascinating parallels. Like what if Edward Norton turns out to just be like the bane of Birdman, you know, we just never thought about it that way. Ooh. Okay. All right. So, okay. All right. You know, just maybe uh, I know we're watching them in the opposite in the other order and we're going to watch Birdman first, but yeah, right. You know, just right. maybe just keep Dark Knight Rises in mind while okay. you're watching Birdman. And then of course right. we'll watch Dark Knight Rises again shortly after that, but uh but yeah, I, I think as much as there is possibility for uh unique parallels between Batman and Robin and Dark Knight Rises, I think equal opportunity exists for unique parallels between Birdman and Dark Knight Rises. You just don't want to watch Batman and Robin, do you? <laughs> that's you part of it. S- you son of a bitch. <laughs> and that's what I want to make you do is watch that movie. <laughs> well, if if I agree to watch it some point anyway. <laughs> I mean, I know. I mean, at some point you're going to have yeah. one of those nights where you're just like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to do this. You know, True. so I know it's, I know the conversation's coming. I'm just, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah. OK, cool. No problem. I'm good with that. Sweet. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll be back uh, in a couple weeks to talk about Birdman, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Love it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Yeah. See you.